first stage of the journey is, is will a fan hear my song? Um, mm. And that is actually a very, very, we think kind of a pretty broken part of music streaming right now. Um, uh, Luminate put out this study which said um, 42% of all tracks in the world get less than 10 streams right. and something like 24% get zero streams. Yeah. And that means tens of millions of tracks never even got a chance from the music streaming services. And so when we talk about this like fan building journey, we're like, cool, go build your fans. We have all the tools for you to connect with them. And they never get a chance. And so um, we're really, really excited um, that we are experimenting with a program we're calling First Fans, mm. in which we are going to take tracks that are newly uploaded to SoundCloud, and we are going to put them in front of 100 uh, music-loving fans that we think will love the track without it ever being listened to. One of the crazy things about the music streaming economy is, you know, now I think there's like 120 uh, thousand songs uploaded to music streaming services a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, if you kind of think on average, each song is about four minutes, it would take a curator 330 lifetimes to listen <laughs> right. to one day of uploaded music. And it's just impossible. But at SoundCloud, we have this cheat code um, called Musio. So Musio was a company that we bought about a year ago. And basically, we use deep tech to like understand what is happening sonically with the music and musically with music. And we understand the taste profile of, of our fan base. And so we are able to match music that has never been listened to to human, put it in front of humans that we think will like it, get the signal both for the artist and for us, you know, is it resonating with a set of populations? And, you know, for us, that is what kickstarts that fan journey um, because, you know, music needs an opportunity to get heard um, mm-hmm. and artists, you know, deserve, you know, artists are putting their blood, sweat and tears into music. And, you know, the other DSPs are like, cool, go, good luck. Um, yeah. We think that, you know, we owe it to our artists to put it in front of, you know, these music loving fans and let humans decide whether the music is resonating or not. And we'll use that signal to, you know, continue to program um, and continue to get uh, more fans for artists. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the New Music Business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business. The book, third edition, is out now, available everywhere, including audiobook. If you like the sound of my voice or can stand it for many hours and would prefer to get your books through your ears, I, I do the same as well. I prefer audiobooks. The audiobook is out, so you can check that out. Today, my guests are Tracy Chan and Emmy Lovell, from SoundCloud, they head up kind of the artist creator side of SoundCloud. And uh, for longtime listeners, you'll remember that Tracy Chan, he was on the show previously a couple of years ago when he was at Twitch. 
uh, heading up kind of the artist side, the music side of Twitch, and now he's at SoundCloud. But he has actually a very impressive resume, and I always appreciated what Tracy has been working on throughout the years because he was first um, at YouTube and kind of created the YouTube Insights and the YouTube Creator Studio, the YouTube Creators Platform, always kind of focusing on these these artist tools uh, at the companies. Then he went over to, to Spotify, and he helped create Spotify for artists <laughs> and Spotify Analytics and... All of that that we now have learned to know and love, and Tracy helped create that. Then he was at Twitch, of course, where he was the head of music there, and um, he really helped, especially over uh, the pandemic, artists kind of make a living and uh, live streaming on Twitch, and he talked about all of that on our episode on Twitch, and now... He's over at SoundCloud and helping create some of these artist tools that are incredibly useful and helpful. And Emmy Level comes to us uh, previously. She worked at Warner Music Group in the UK, as you'll hear from her accent. And uh, she has developed major campaigns for artists like Kylie Minogue, Coldplay, Muse, Gorillaz, Dead Mouse, Danger Mouse. Um, and then right before SoundCloud, she was actually working at Napster on their kind of relaunch. Now, before we jump into the interview, I do want to just kind of discuss what we get into the weeds a little bit on how streaming functions. And we talk about a little bit in terms of how streaming pays, the difference between user-centric model and the pro rata model, fan-powered royalties is what they're calling it. But I, I just want to highlight some top-line figures just so you have that going into this interview and what this is. Now, we do discuss, we break down the difference between the pro rata streaming model and the user-centric streaming model. But I, I and, and just to explain that here, and you'll hear it explained again on the show, show most streaming services like spotify and apple music operate on a pro rata model that means that all artists and get paid out based on the number of streams that their songs get in relation to every other stream on the platform so if you pay ten dollars for a subscription and uh you don't listen to bad bunny this month well bad bunny is going to get some of your money because that's how the model works is that the most streams on the platform get uh part of everyone's subscription money and it's all based on market share whereas the user-centric model or the fan-powered royalties is what soundcloud's calling it is if you uh spend ten dollars on a subscription this month and only listen to my music this month then i would get all of your ten dollars less the platform's commission most most platforms are taking about a 30 percent commission and i think that's a far more fair model in how streaming should function and you know that's similar to how it worked in the sales era if you download my song for a dollar i get that dollar less the platform's commission or if you buy a cd or a vinyl record for me at a show I get all that money. Money doesn't go to everyone who's ever made a vinyl record or a CD, which seems a little crazy to me, but that's how Spotify works. That's how Apple Music works. The labels love it because they're like, well, it doesn't really matter. We don't really care about artists. We care more about the money, of course. And so they're like, you know what? We're making a boatload of money with this model. So why would we change? And uh, all the artists are out there being like, hey, actually, we have a lot of super fans and we're not able to monetize them through this. This model. So can we change this, please? And fortunately, SoundCloud has taken this step and they're the first at saying we're changing it. And Warner has signed on to this model, Warner Records. 
Um, and uh, a lot of the indies uh, have signed on as well. Most of the indies, to be honest, uh, under the Merlin Collective. So, uh, you know, they did a study. Uh, SoundCloud teamed up with Media Research and they did this study where they tested, I think, over 180,000 artists. What they found was that about 65% of all artists that have under 100,000 listeners would actually make more money on this user-centric fan-powered royalties model than they would from the pro rata model. Now, the controversy lies in the sense that, yes, most of those 65% uh, of the artists are kind of your mid-level artists that, of course, the artists that have less than 100,000 listeners. Now, we we're talking about SoundCloud in this capacity, whereas there, the study also found that the superstars would actually make a bit less. Of course, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. Now, I'm excited about this because the winners are the middle-class artists, and, you know, the superstars have plenty of revenue streams and they're making enough money frankly and so let's help out everybody else and this this model is actually just far more fair because it deals with super fans versus passive listeners now of course the superstars and the labels they get their songs in all of these playlists so that's why they're making so much money because they're getting all these streams not from fans they're getting streams from passive listeners let's call them lean back listeners Whereas they don't even know what song they're listening to. They just hit, oh, I like this playlist or like play me the pop hits of today or whatever. Shuffle, play on the playlist. And then they're just, they get, they get those streams. And all those streams are created equally um, on a Spotify or on an Apple Music. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, three minutes of white noise or three minutes of the greatest song you've ever heard in your life, they are going to pay the same, if you listen to them, generates the same amount of money per user. So that, uh, to me, is unfair. And I would encourage all of the labels out there, majors, indies, everyone, to focus more on the user-centric model. Yes, this, the major labels can still make money with this. They can make a lot of money. They can make just as much money, if not more, and just focus on artist development and fandom less on passive streams, which in the long run, that's not really a great way to build your business in the long term because you're constantly chasing. It's exhausting. I'm sure the label people listening to this are exhausted, constantly trying to chase the hit of the moment uh, where people are just passively listening to that one song they heard on TikTok and you're chasing this. Whereas like, if you want to get back to the core of why are you in music? Why do you love music? Well, you love music because there was those artists that you loved when you grew up on. Think of who was that artist that you loved. Think of it right now. Think of the artist, your favorite artist when you were 15, 16. Who is that artist? All right. Now you're thinking of that artist, right? Now, do you want to see them succeed? Well, guess what? If we're in this model, the industry that you're running right now, most of those artists that you thought of right now would not succeed in, in this model that we're in right now. And that's because the way that this, this streaming payout pro rata system exists, it wouldn't, it doesn't support a lot of the artists with super fans. It only really is helpful to the labels and the pop stars and the superstars. So SoundCloud is looking to change this, and I hope all the streaming services will change this, but it really comes down to the labels and the majors. Lucian Grange, if you're listening to this, it's up to you, my bud. Uh, at Universal Music, like, change this model. If you really care about helping artists, the next generation of artists, your generation of artists, you can get this done. We can get this done as an industry. Every label, every indie, every distributor, every streaming service needs to switch immediately 
to this user-centric model. It will help the industry overall across the board. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram. You can find the show on Ari's Take, of course, but you should get on the email list because that is where we send out the most important information about the new music business. We send out new episodes and all the new findings about the industry. Go to Ari'sTake.com. Get on the email list. Actually, just right now, if you could just pause the show and leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, however you're listening to this right now, that really helps. And then hit the subscribe, hit the follow button. If you don't already follow the show, what are you waiting for? Subscribe, hit the follow button so we show up in your feed if you want us to keep going. All right, let's kick into the show. Tracy Chan, Emmy Level, welcome to the show. Hey, Ari. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, well, nice to see you uh, again. Uh, we connected briefly uh, at Music Biz, and I was I was taken by your presentation um, about what's happening with SoundCloud. I'm really excited to dig into all of that. But beforehand, I have to acknowledge uh, the monumental nature of this podcast episode right now. Tracy, you are the first guest to appear on the show twice. <laughs> this is the second time I've ever had the same guest on. And it's and and that that's a testament to how long I guess the show has been running, which is like about three years now, but also Amazing. your uh prominence in the industry and just how uh how, how darn charming of a of a person you are so uh, i'm happy <laughs> i guess we'll find out over the next hour so. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm happy to uh have you back um and uh yeah it's exciting that now the previous episode you were at twitch uh heading up the music operations there um and that was also a very um enlightening um, conversation and that we had, and I would encourage people to go listen to that one too. And today, now you are in a new role, well, relatively new, I suppose. You've been there about a year um, at SoundCloud, and um, and Emmy, I know you're also in this new, even newer role uh, at SoundCloud. I think we're going on what five months? How long have you been in this role? Yep, yep, you, you okay. remembered. Yes, yes. I did the math because we met a month ago and that was four months. So I'm I'm yeah. I'm that good at math. So let's uh you know. <laughs> um cool. Well, so let's let's talk about uh let's zoom way out and then we're gonna zoom and you know how I go. We're gonna go so far into the weeds by the end of this thing that um you're you're gonna wish that I was one of your product testers. Okay, so because I am essentially. Um all right, so um talk to me about where SoundCloud is right now um, and just like what it is, you know, I think a lot of people listening to this um, knew what SoundCloud was from like 10 years ago when we had the SoundCloud bedroom rap and, you know, uh, Billie Eilish broke out on SoundCloud. And like, you know, I feel like there was a lot of pomp and circumstance and the news around like SoundCloud getting a lot of press 10 years ago. And in the blogosphere, like, you know, um, SoundCloud was the the dominant streaming, embeddable kind of uh, streaming platform that all blogs, when blogs were a thing and like mattered, um, would embed SoundCloud players. I don't think a lot of people, to be frank, to be honest, have necessarily 
paid as much attention to SoundCloud over the last few years because a lot of the conversation has shifted to the other DSPs, the other streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and whatnot. So tell me what SoundCloud is right now and what differentiates you or what, what it is. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start um, and cool. Emmy can um, uh, uh, tag in. Um, so I think it's really, really important actually to talk about our history and where SoundCloud started. So SoundCloud okay. started about um, almost 16 years ago now in um, uh, uh, 2000. Um, I can't do math now. I just lost the thread. Well, I'm really <laughs> good at math, as we've already established. So uh, let me... <laughs> yeah, so it started about yeah, um, right. 16 years ago. Um, sure. And, and the premise of SoundCloud from our founders, Alex and Eric, was really, you know, artists need a way to upload their content and quickly share it and get it out to the world and just yeah. connect with fans. Um, and that's, you know, really where SoundCloud exploded um, because... You know, we made it really, really easy to get your content up um, with full control from the artist. Um, we allowed you to um, connect with fans. So fans were, you know, commenting, and DMing and reposting and amplifying music that they really cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we built things like that embeddable widget, you know, so again, it just made it so easy for artists to share their music with the world. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of like where we started. Um, and, you know, this was at the very, very beginning of the streaming revolution, mm-hmm. right? The whole, you know, the streaming model becoming the predominant model of the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've seen a couple of things. So like you mentioned, you know, other streaming services came up, you know, with their, uh, uh, with their models, um, with their products. Um, and I think kind of what you've seen is, is two interesting trends. So one, the music streaming, you know, became the predominant model of music. But kind of in that path, you know, I think what the industry is starting to realize is the music streaming model isn't working great, especially for artists, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that there's so many um, articles and testimonials and organizations talking about the music streaming model, just really not working great for artists. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, what we've realized, especially in the last, you know, call it two years or so, is that that original hypothesis around helping artists share their music and connect with fans? That is the thing. Because if you look at the most important artists in the world and the ones who've had long-term durable careers, the it, the through line is is really like they've it, they've cultivated their fan base, they've grown it, they've invested in it, and that mm-hmm. enabled them to just have a long-lasting career. So, you know, while SoundCloud was on that path over the last several years of, you know, enhancing kind of the music streaming side of our business, um, we've been in parallel building tools for creators um, Mm -hmm. in and of themselves. So things like the private link ecosystem of artists, you know, creating, you know, rough draft tracks and sharing them with other artists or producers or songwriters um, Mm -hmm. or even fans, you know, that's embedded in the music industry. being able to, you know, promote your music um, through reposts and things like that or interact with your fans on SoundCloud, you know, uh, has been a big focus of SoundCloud. And I think kind of, you know, as we realize, you know, the music streaming model is the entry point into informing a connection with artists and fans, it's not enough. Yeah. It is just not enough. The economics of streaming isn't enough. Um, having someone hear your song isn't enough. It's yeah. really kind of, you know, 
focusing on that connection between artists and fans, you know, mm-hmm. that is the thing. And that is, mm. you know, the unique sound place in the music industry that SoundCloud occupies. Because mm-hmm. if you look at it, the other music streaming services, um, they don't let artists and fans connect. They don't mm-hmm. even tell the artists like who the fans actually are. And so, you know, I think that that's just a really important um, focus of ours as we move kind of to what happens after streaming. I think streaming will always be a part of the music industry and a part of the equation, but it just simply can't sustain the industry or artists um, or any music maker okay. for that matter. Okay. You, there's a lot to unpack in what you just <laughs> talked about, and, and, I, and I appreciate it. I've, I've been taking furious notes here. So, all right. So I, I want to start, um, and we're going to get into all of that, and I know you're alluding to a lot of what SoundCloud yeah. is working on, but I, I just want to zoom out a little bit more and stay there for a second. Yeah. Um, when you're saying, you know, streaming is not great for artists and, you know, that streaming is kind of the entrance point and all of that stuff, just to like, you know, uh, showcase where we're at. Um, yes, when when SoundCloud came out in 2007, that's the math. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, there was just uh, the music industry was on this death spiral still since, you know, from, uh, you know, Napster and kind of, um, you know, the rise of iTunes, but the death of the CD and all of that. Uh, the the global mu- recorded music revenue had been um, had been dropping uh, in global revenue uh, for years, year over year. It was it was dropping, and it bottomed out in 2014. And then you know, as these streaming services started to uh, become more prevalent, like your Spotify, like your Apple Music, that actually you know was was changing the monetization model, which is like, and we'll get to this in a second without SoundCloud, because SoundCloud was never really built on like this this um, like subscription service uh, payments, like the the money wasn't necessarily flowing the same way. It was kind of you know parallel to this this industry, and so streaming single handedly brought the recorded music, the global recorded music revenue back from its death spiral, and and you know in 2022. Um, the global music industry made more money uh, than it ever had just in dollars in the history of the music industry, period. So like streaming single-handedly brought back the music industry and is, and is and brought in more money than ever before. That's a fact. But what's also a fact, what you said, was that it's not working great for artists. And there's a big difference between the music industry that's working with when you're looking at the global revenue and what the major labels are talking about and like where all the money is. And then when you talk to artists directly who are like, well, I think I have all these fans, but for some reason I'm not making money from my music like I once was. And if you really do the economics of how it works, it's just like, all right, yeah, if I had, you know, uh, a thousand fans and I sold, uh, you know, each of them a CD for $10, uh, I just made $10,000, you know, whereas like if a th- my thousand fans streamed me 10 times on Spotify, for instance, or Apple Music or whatever, you know, I made um, like not a few hundred bucks, m- maybe not even. Um, and so that's a big differentiator is just like, you know, streaming has traditionally we've worked in this, like it works in like a, this numbers game and it's not really about the fandom. And so you, you know, you, you're talking about, um, how SoundCloud, I guess, initially always kind of was about, 
um, you know, this deeper connection, which, which, yeah, and I, I've always appreciated on SoundCloud kind of the social component of it. I loved seeing people comment on, you know, my songs and be like, oh, that drop was so sick and this drum beat was so cool. It's like, that's great. And it's one of the few services that is kind of has that social component. So now that we're kind of, you know, lay the groundwork and you, you, you talked about how, you know, where we're at now and where SoundCloud is moving, talk more about, um, you know, how you are helping that facilitate that relationship, I guess, a little bit deeper and how you're kind of changing that conversation of of how SoundCloud can make that fan artist relationship a little bit stronger. Yeah. Um, so we're doing actually a couple of things. So okay. um, we're building a bunch of programs in which we're amplifying artists and we're helping telling the story of why artist connection is important. So I'll hand that over to Emmy. Um, in a sec. Um, and then two, um, we're building tools and products to actually support the artist and fan relationship. And I think, you know, you mentioned kind of the pivot from pre-streaming kind of like this, the CD tape vinyl, you know, era, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, quite frankly, the piracy era to the streaming era. And those were kind of fundamental shifts. One thing that's like really interesting and important as a through line is music was always about fandom. It was never not about fandom, except potentially in the streaming era. So if you just mentioned, you know, if you mm, sold CDs, right. right? If you sold a thousand CDs and, you know, you the artist got a dollar each, like yeah. that's some really meaningful money. But that is fan money flowing directly to the artist. I think kind of today, you know, the prominent streaming models and the payout models mean you can have lots and lots of streams. Um, but your fans' money may not be going to you. In fact, it's most certainly not on most platforms. Right. Rather, you know, it's going to the most popular artists in the world. And I think, you know, one interesting theme is is not only does that disincentivize fandom in some ways, it also fundamentally just changes how artists make music um, mm-hmm. because they're playing towards the payout mechanisms versus actual creativity and building music that resonates with them and their sense of fans. Um well- I want to explain that a little bit because some people might not really understand what you're talking about when you say that uh, when someone's listening to your song, their their money is not going to that artist. It's going to the most popular artist, even if they don't listen to that artist. That's because most streaming services operate on like a pro rata structure, whereas like my $10 subscription to a streaming service is, is going to go to the streaming service and then uh, the artists get paid out on the percentage of the total money that the streaming service brought in and is paying out based on the total streams on the entire platform. So like, even if I didn't listen to Taylor Swift this month, she's gonna get some of my subscription money just because the nature, because she's got a ton of streams and and is taking a lot of that market share. And so my money gets divvied up amongst every stream on the platform. Even though I might have only listened to one artist this month, they're not really going to get the majority of my money. It's going to go to the most popular artist. Is that what you're, that's what you're saying? Yeah. And, and to put a finer point on it, I mean, I think if you think about how many times an artist has made a dollar from a single fan in a month on the biggest streaming platforms in the world, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it has ever happened because what that requires is an artist to get 10% of all streams globally. Like that is an insane number and I don't think right. it's ever happened. Yeah. Um, we have an alternate model called fan powered royalties, which we can talk about. And on mm-hmm. SoundCloud, it happens tens of thousands of times a month. Um, what happens and that, tens again, of thousands of times a month? Artists yeah. making a dollar from a fan in royalties. Oh, um, okay. 
which again, you know, the model kind of changes everything. And, you know, for us, it's all about fairness. It's all about making sure that artists are compensated directly from the fans that, you know, matter to them and are supporting their careers and are their day ones. And, you know, we think being a part of that journey is really, really important, um, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of, you know, the work that Emmy is doing. So Emmy, what is the work that you're doing? Well, I think I think you came to a really good point earlier, which said we had a lot of breakout stars from SoundCloud mm-hmm. years ago, but actually we're seeing a resurgence in that. Scissor mm. broke from SoundCloud, Fred again broke from SoundCloud. And I think firstly I wanna remind people that actually SoundCloud is a place where musicians go to get feedback and better their craft. And that's the um, story that we've been telling with Fred because he came to get feedback, um, improve, get more feedback, and then he was ready to release. And he did that over a series of two years, every month, uh, and then he exploded. So aside from Fred, um, I think, again, it's really important to recognize that we have 40 million artists on our platform. And so um, with 320 million tracks, it's also difficult to amplify what's going on. So we are recognizing that we've got superstars on the platform that we want to reward because they started and they engage with SoundCloud a lot. But we've got these artists that are popping off because they're they're defying genres and they're creating culture at the moment on SoundCloud. So we want to amplify them at all levels. So one of the things that I'm looking at at the moment is a program of programs um, that looks at an artist's first ever chart position, first ever billboard, first ever social um, amplification from a streaming platform, all the way through to the returning artists like the Freds, like the Uzi Verts, like the Scissors, who have broken and used SoundCloud and their fans to amplify who they are off platform. And like working on those programs to amplify these artists across the board so that when new people come to SoundCloud, they are helped on their journey of discovering their new favorite artists. And I think that's really important. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with... BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. 
They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register you with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. What do you mean? So explain what you mean when, a, when an artist is broken on SoundCloud. How do you define that? They, when we define it, they are charting, whether that's in Billboard or in the official charts in their territory. Uh-huh. They have expressed their desire as to what their dream is. And on the instances that we're talking about, they've signed to major labels and they've had those deals glo- globalize their craft. Um, and so they've become household names. And for many career artists that's their dream and so we define that as broken and and how can you say that that soundcloud broke them like like fred again what does that mean when you're saying like fred again broke from soundcloud was it actually soundcloud is where he built his entire fan base from because he wasn't on any other streaming services and that's how you can tell that oh see he wasn't on any other streaming services he's only on soundcloud and now he's charting on billboard how do you define that so fred fred is a really good case study he was using instagram and he was using soundcloud as the platforms to inter- interact with people he used um clips from people giving him feedback on his music in his uh, songs put them up on soundcloud and then used the comments and the feedback and the collaboration opportunities on the platform to create and upload more music. And he did that over a period of two years, I believe. He then got discovered by A&R people through that music on SoundCloud, was signed as a result of him uploading and gaining traction on the platform, like organic traction. The music community were amplifying him, so it caught the attention of A&R teams. And that's what we say. He broke from SoundCloud because it was SoundCloud that, Mm. um, I guess, gave the A&R people the opportunity to see who he was, the breadth of his experience, the experimentation that he was having. And no other platform offers that opportunity. Even Instagram, it's an amazing platform, but it's not just music. So um, that's where SoundCloud is different. And that's where SoundCloud is absolutely key to an artist developing who they are experimenting and and then working with those uh, fans in the communities to amplify what they love and um, go on to deliver more records, more fans and platform. All right. So, so I I understand that, but I, so I'm, um, I suppose uh, less concerned about the, the people, the superstars and those that kind of, you know, break and become household names. Cause that's a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of the music community. And I'm more concerned about, you know, like we were talking about before, how, 
how are artists able to make a living with their music and not a not a superstar living a, a middle class living a, any kind of living frankly um with their music and so let's talk more about that side of of what's happening because when you said tracy earlier that um you know tens of thousands of times a month fans are paying artists at least a dollar I don't quite understand that. What can you explain how that even happens and what that sure. like is it you have a tipping feature on there? There's someone's like, here's a dollar because I tipped you, or what how does this work? Yeah, good question. So um we talked a lot about kind of the predominant um economic model of streaming, which is that pro rata model, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you get a percentage of um all of the subscription or ad dollars relative to the percentage of streams you had. So that's kind of what most of the big players um, in streaming use today to pay rights holders who then pay artists. Um, At SoundCloud, we have a model called fan-powered royalties, and this is a user-centric economic model. So basically kind of under fan-powered royalties, what it says is if you, if a listener um, listens to 10 artists and, um, or sorry, they do 10 streams a month, um, five of them go to one artist and their subscriber, then that artist gets five dollars um they get you know basically the money um that the uh, listener is generating goes directly to the artist that they listen to um and so in that uh equation it is much more realistic for a fan who really really loves an artist um to basically have their either subscriptions or ad dollars go go directly to those artists again what this empowers is is you don't actually need scale to succeed or make money in music. What you do need is a dedicated fan base who's, you know, your day ones, who's listening to you constantly, who's, you know, sharing your tracks to their friends who are listening to you. Um, and so, you know, we've seen a lot of success um, on the fan-powered royalty models. Um, we have over 150,000 independent artists um, who are monetizing directly with SoundCloud on that. Um, we have Warner Music Group signed on as well as uh, Merlin um, and all of their member labels as well. And Merlin, uh, just to be clear, they are uh, kind of this collective of indie distributors like a Symphonic and a Muse and I think TuneCore, I don't know if TuneCore is part of it, I believe they are. Um, in, in addition to independent labels like Beggars and Domino, and secretly um, like, and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. So, so Merlin, they kind of sometimes is discussed as like the big four, like is like the number four of the big three of the big four. It's like you have Universal, Sony, and Warner as the big three majors, and then Merlin is kind of like the other big one because it's all these indie labels and indie distributors and all that. So you've signed this deal with Warner, one of the you know majors, and Merlin. Um, and so just to just to so I understand this a little bit more. When you say you have 150,000 artists who are currently monetizing with SoundCloud, what does that mean exactly? Because like I've been a SoundCloud user both as an artist and as a listener, you know, for over 10, 12, 15 years something like that. I've never really run into a paywall or and I've never subscribed. So I don't really know what that means when 150,000 artists are making money from SoundCloud. How does that work? Sure. Yeah. So we have um, basically kind of two categories of revenue generation within our ecosystem. Um, so one, um, a fan can listen for free um, and we have an ad supported model backed behind that, um, similar to other kind of freemium music products. Um, and then we have 
uh, a subscription product as well, uh, where we actually have two Go and Go Plus, um, mm. which you know basically gives you access to things like you know downloading uh, locally to your uh, device. Um, you get access to um, we have a paywall for certain tracks, um, so rights holders can put their music in front of the paywall or behind the paywall, um, and so. Um, it unlocks a, a whole slew of benefits for listeners within SoundCloud. Mm. So, so are artists using this um, as like a way to, for their super fans to unlock exclusive content, like new demos, new song ideas, that kind of stuff, which theoretically you could keep behind the paywall because they know that if they keep their fans listening and engaged uh, and they subscribe to SoundCloud Go, then, and that's the only way they can listen to some of these songs, they know that they're going to get uh, a decent amount, theoretically, of their subscription money because um, because of the fan-powered royalty model? Um, I mean, I think the beauty of the way that we have the system set up is, is that artists have the choice, right? I think, like, the model that you just laid out is a brilliant way um, if artists, you know, feel like they have the right amount of fans who want to subscribe and are going to be listening to them. They totally can do that. You know, there are other artists in different stages of the journey who, you know, what they want to do is, is they want to grow their fan base. And again, you can grow your fan base on SoundCloud. And we truly mean that because we reveal to you who those fans actually are. Um, whereas other platforms, it's about hopefully they hear you and then hopefully they'll take their you know phone out of their pocket and then look at your artist page and then figure out who you are and then go to your social. Like they can kind of do that whole loop. Or, you know, on SoundCloud, you know, we actually just make that direct connection. So let's talk about the, you, you say you you let, because this is a, this is a big thing. Uh, you actually let your artists know who your fan, who your fans are. Um, because, you're, right, like on Spotify, for instance, um, I might see in my analytics and my Spotify for artists that I have 500 people listening to my song in Denver this month. And, or to my music, I should say, in Denver this mm -hmm. month. But, like, I don't know who they are. And, like, if I'm going to play Denver, how do I let those people know that I'm coming to town? They don't – Spotify doesn't let me do anything like that. And, and, you know, to their credit, like, I do appreciate how they're starting to integrate merch into each song. And I can, like, swipe up there. And, like, you know – they're starting to kind of elusively push ticketing, which I don't quite understand how I'm able to like help that process along. But like, tell me what SoundCloud is doing to help the artist fan connection a little deepen a bit more. Yeah, so um, we released um, uh, maybe two months ago a product called Fans um, in SoundCloud for artists, and it is basically the premise of we will tell artists who their fans are by name by picture by profile um you will be able to see kind of who those top fans are on a number of uh data points that we have within soundcloud so are they contributing contributing to you uh from a financial standpoint via fan powered royalties and are they a high contributor are they a medium contributor or a low contributor because there's different buckets of contribution um two how engaged are they with your content and your profile so are they following you are they sharing your songs? Are they reposting in them? Are they adding them to playlists? Things like that. Um, and then three, how influential are they on SoundCloud? So do these um, do these users have high reach on SoundCloud? So if they repost your tracks, it'll go to a thousand people instead of you know five people or whatever. Mm. Um, 
And then there's um, different kind of cuts um, in which you can cut these fans. So you can understand, you know, are these fans in the US or are they in Japan? Because you might communicate with them differently. Um, and then we also tell you things like, are they an artist? Because we know that artists finding each other and collaborating on the platform is a massive use case. Mm -hmm. So first kind of in the fan tools, you get presented with basically kind of tiles of fans and real people who are listening to your music. Um, and then two, we take that next step and we let you DM them directly on a one-to-one -one basis. Because I think, you know, having, you know, both Emmy and I having worked with artists for so, so long um, and, you know, their fan bases, one thing that I think people underappreciate is, is that certainly, you know, artists are trying to tell their story to the world and have, you know, their fans kind of see different parts of their life. Well, what's really, really interesting is that fans want to be seen by the artists just as much as the artist wants to be seen by the fans, right? And that's such a powerful connection and moment. I mean, think about the last time you went to a show and the artist made eye contact with you. That's a real interaction that like, I'm sure whoever's listening is thinking about that moment right now because it is so, so powerful to just acknowledge a fan. And that's what this fans tool is all about. It's about letting artists, you know, reach out to, um, to their, their top fans and say, thank you, or drop a ticketing link or, you know, give an early take via a private link on SoundCloud on some like early music. Um, or just start a conversation. I mean, no other platform lets you do that. And we think that 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 the ability for artists to just acknowledge and reach out to the fans is so incredibly important and powerful well, for their long-term career. Okay, so I like this concept in theory, but in practice, let's talk about this. So <laughs> I'm an artist and it's like, now I have yet another inbox I have to manage. So I, 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 you know, I like how Bands in Town does it where I can see all of the, um, you know, I can essentially message my fans in Denver and be like, hey, I'm coming to Denver. Here's, you know, I would love to see you there and like, hey, Denver. And it's like it's personalized and specific to that. I don't know if I personally like I like this idea that you're allowing me to know who my fans are and to be able to contact them because that is something that the artist community has been screaming about for years. But but do we have to get to the point of why? Why do we want to contact them? I don't want to manage thousands of messages from my fans. I'm sorry, but like that inbox sounds daunting and overwhelming to me. It's hard enough managing my Instagram inbox, but to like now I have to figure out how to manage a SoundCloud inbox and like all I'm going to be flooded with messages and now I have to like DM every single one of them back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That no, no, no. Like the reason we want to contact our fans is to let them know that we're coming to town. So like, you know, to be like, come to our show, buy tickets, because like, how is, how is talk, and, and if you, if you have a solution to this, please tell me, but how is me DMing with a fan going to increase my bottom line? That I haven't seen from SoundCloud's fans thing, and I know that maybe you're working on it, but currently I can't message all my fans in Denver saying, hey, I'm coming to town, thanks for listening, grab a ticket, whatever here's a vip meet and greet that i'm doing here's an extra merch package etc etc like how is this dming thing actually beneficial for artists not for fans for artists yeah 
I mean, I think, you know, the way that we think about it, and this is, you know, talking with a whole slew of artists, you know, from the very early ones getting their career started to the superstars in the world, you know, again, it's all about acknowledging fans and kind of thinking about your career over the long term, not just, you know, the gig that you have coming up or the single that you're dropping. Certainly, those are really, really important moments to message um, to your fan base. But again, it's treating kind of your fans as human beings, as kind of, you know, the, the almost like the life force of your career. And so the way that, you know, and we're talking with artists and we're experimenting with this actually quite a bit, um, you know, if you look at the conversion of saying like, hey, Denver, we're going to be, I'm going to be here dropping a link and saying, hey, Ari, I noticed you've listened to my music. I'm going to be in your town. Like, the conversion is going to be that much stronger. Like when you, everyone gets hit with spam emails and ignores them. And we don't want that on SoundCloud, period. Um, everyone, you know, gets kind of the ticketing links in their email addresses and you don't have to respond because you know the artist isn't listening. But when you know that an artist has actually reached out to you, um, that unlocks so much power, whether it's that actual conversion moment of buying a ticket, whether it's, uh, you know, when you release a new song and you want them to be sharing your song with their communities and their friend groups as well. Um, I think that there is so much power. And, you know, I think one thing that is really, really interesting is, again, you know, if you think about that use case of like an artist made eye contact with you, it is a moment in time. It is a small investment, but it pays dividends because it is that human connection moment that resonates and sticks with that person over time. And that's what we're trying to achieve with fans. So the way that I would, you know, sum it up is, is there are both kind of short-term gains that in, in direct conversion, whether it's listening to a song, selling a, uh, a ticket or a piece of merch. And then there are long-term benefits as well, because I think one thing that is lacking in the streaming economy is the ability to kind of grow your fan base over time. You know, how many times, you know, are artists and their teams just pitching to get on a playlist because you like hope that that's your golden ticket. And we know that, you know, most of the time the curve is, is you get a small bump and then you have to start over because you can't talk to those fans again. Um, so a lot about a lot of kind of how we think about this is, is how do artists use this to empower their long term careers and grow their long term fan bases over time? And it turns out when artists interact with fans, the fans like figure it out and that they know that the artist is paying attention. I mean, we're going to talk about superstars again, but like Taylor Swift has people literally going to the parking lots of her shows and just like, you know, having celebrations and things like that. And it's because they know that Taylor's like, she's invested in her fans over time, you know, with every kind of moment in her career. There's been kind of yeah, but she hasn't them. been DMing them. Like she's not messaging them one on one. Oh, she for sure. Oh, no, 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 that's not true at all. She for sure is. You see screenshots on social of her DMing fans on Instagram. She absolutely does, and and that's that becomes a social asset of this is someone who cares about her fan base, which then causes more fans to engage. Okay, so like, right, so the few people that she does DM, then then she can post about it, or they post yeah. about it, and then everybody freaks out about it yeah. um, but, but i just i just want to like yeah. also add if you are a smaller artist or if you're at the very beginning of your career every fan matters and it's yes. those first fans 
that will have so much more impact as you start to grow because they're the OGs and they're going to help you grow your fan base as well. So mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying, but for those for those smaller artists that are trying to make a living, it, it's really important. And we had an example recently of an artist that used um, the fans tour, the first example, to reward their fans by inviting them in to listen to the album way ahead of time in person with them and their family and a shitload of booze because they wanted to say thank you for supporting them and thank you for believing in me and thank you for all of this. And so the DM meant something. It was like mm. that eye contact that Tracy refers to. But actually in person, that moment will live with those fans forever and they will champion that artist forever as a result of what that, that artist did. And it probably took an hour to sort. Wait, so how, I guess just mechanically, I don't quite understand because I didn't think that there were location filtering capabilities within fans. How is this person able to invite their super fans to a listening party in in a location where they can provide booze? Because we know that most of their fan base was in this location. And so we use the most engaged fans to identify them, get in contact, make sure they were available, obviously, because it was an in-person event and make sure um, that they could be there. Cool. Yep. Yeah. And so we, we do have um, country level filtering and we're, you know, obviously in, we've just released the tool, you know, two months ago, we're making rapid improvements to the tool. So for example, this month um, we, we optimized it for mobile because it was primarily a desktop experience. We sure. added DMing, you know, to all of the mobile clients as well to kind of bolster that. So, you know, the way that kind of you think about it is this is an ecosystem play. Um, so that we can kind of achieve, you know, uh, basically what Emmy, that program Emmy was talking about with that artist, you know, cool. for more and more artists. Cool. So um, I'm curious, like, what numbers you're able to reveal. Like, you said 150,000 artists are opted into monetization, whether that's directly through the platform or through their label. Um now, I do want to be clear, the only way that these artists are able to get access to all these tools that we're talking about today is if they pay SoundCloud for these tools. Like, that's a that's a big differentiator, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you have to pay $100 a year to be part of this pro Next Pro Artists program, um, right? So, you're kind of right. So, that is one way you can access monetization um, through our partnerships with uh, Merlin and Warner as well. Um, they all have access to fan-powered royalties and the fans tool as well. Right, because I logged into a few of a few of my artist accounts. One of them is signed in is an artist with under Merlin, mm-hmm. uh, and and another one is not. And I was trying to access the fan-powered royalties. Uh, no, not excuse me. I was trying the to fans' artists. Yeah. The, yeah, insights, all of it. I was pretty much restricted from all insights and all everything, and it kept pointing me towards the sign up through the hundred dollars a year to pay soundcloud and i'm like if i'm gonna do that am i really gonna make this hundred dollars back from soundcloud from vampire royalties so uh talk me through how you're you're rolling this out um to artists and and how functionally this actually works because this artist is a part of merlin and still was blocked from all and i couldn't see anything to be honest yeah so we announced our merlin partnership about a month ago and we're working with merlin to roll it out to their member uh, okay. labels and their lo- member artists. Um, and keep in mind, they have hundreds of labels. Um, right. So this is a process that is rolling out actively. Um, the way that we think about kind of, you know, the career subscription plan is it enables you a whole host of benefits um, from, you know, unlimited quota and unlimited uploads. So you can kind of 
uh, like Emmy said, you can share your private links and get feedback, you know, from other music makers or fans. Um, you get uh, access to kind of deeper level insights um, and our monetization models like fan powered royalties and fans. And the way that we kind of think about it is, is as we build new products, you know, our next pro um, artists are like the most engaged users on SoundCloud. Mm. They're the ones who are actively using SoundCloud to interact with their fans and things like that. And so we take the approach of we're going to roll out new features to them first, continue to iterate and scale the product, you know, amongst that population, and then roll it out to more artists. So we're starting, you know, with fans and fan power royalties with this set of artists first, and then um, going next. Um, now, one thing that like is um, that I did want to touch upon is um, we talk. We've been talking a lot about you know uh, artists and fans connecting. Um, but that's almost like the second stage of the journey, right? The first stage of the journey is, is will a fan hear my song? Um, mm. And that is actually a very, very, we think kind of a pretty broken part of music streaming right now. Um, uh, Luminate put out this study, which said 42% um, of all tracks in the world get less than 10 streams right. and something like 24% get zero streams. Yeah. And that means tens of millions of tracks never even got a chance from the music streaming services. And so when we talk about this like fan building journey, we're like, cool, go build your fans. We have all the tools for you to connect with them and they never get a chance. And so um, we're really, really excited um, that we are experimenting with a program we're calling first fans mm. in which we are going to take tracks that are newly uploaded to SoundCloud and we are going to put them in front of a hundred uh, music loving fans that we think will love the track without it ever being listened to. Um, which, you know, in some ways is like, this feels like to us, it feels like, of course, this is obvious. Why, why don't, why doesn't everyone do this? But I think like SoundCloud has kind of three distinct advantages that enable us to do it. Um, and we talked a lot about, you know, our fans who are just like this dialed in listener user base. Right. Mm -hmm. These are fans who love to find new artists and new music. Um, and so we kind of have that as an advantage of uh, a listener base who wants to kind of discover new music, new music. Um, two, we have this recommendation algorithm. So we already kind of surface up music um, in different ways. Um, our autoplay algorithm. So if you listen you know, to a playlist and it ends, we continue on with similar types of music we think you will like. Um, so we kind of have that as a surface to surface up new music to fans. And then three, um, you know, one of the crazy things about the music streaming economy is, you know, now I think there's like 120,000 uh, songs uploaded to music streaming services a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, if you kind of think on average, each song is about four minutes, it would take a curator 330 lifetimes to listen right. to one day of uploaded music and it's just impossible. But at SoundCloud, we have this cheat code um, called Musio. So Musio was a company that we bought about a year ago. And basically we use deep tech to like understand what is happening sonically with the music and musically with the music. And we understand the taste profile of, of our fan base. And so we are able to match music that has never been listened to to human, put it in front of humans that we think will like it, get the signal both for the artist and for us, you know, is it resonating with a set of populations? And, you know, for us, that is what kickstarts that fan journey um, because, you know, music needs an opportunity to get heard 
um, and artists, you know, deserve, you know, artists are putting their blood, sweat and tears into music. And, you know, the other DSPs are like, cool, go, good luck. Um, yeah. We think that, you know, we owe it to our artists to put it in front of, you know, these music loving fans and let humans decide whether the music is resonating or not. And we'll use that signal to, you know, continue to program um, and continue to get uh, more fans for artists. I love that. And I, I did look into a little bit of Museo in this program that you're doing, which is, I mean, very fascinating on how you can just take the uh, the, the profile of the song and just, you know, terms of like sonically, the BPMs, the mood, the, the, that style and, and like personalize it to each listener which is which is great and that it's like in an ideal world that is like what the best algorithms theoretically should be able to do is find the best listener the best fan for the song so i'm very excited to see kind of how that can can help some of these artists that don't have many listeners you can help grow that audience other than just like let me pop you on a popular playlist which only you know 0.0001% of all artists will ever have a chance of getting on that just from the sheer amount of numbers um that we have here so there's so much that i want to dig into and talk about and even more and this has been so fascinating and i and you know i'm excited to follow along this journey and i and i do really appreciate what you both are doing uh at soundcloud and how you're focusing on uh, the future of, you know, the fan artist relationship and not s- just strictly on, um, you know, the bottom line of uh, the company, which I guess you have the luxury, which you're not necessarily <laughs> managing those finances. So I, I appreciate that, you know, this, I hope that that this can keep going and, and you can keep enhancing and growing these features um, to really get to that ultimate vision like you started with isn't just like, helping artists grow long-term careers because that's the goal. It's not helping artists turn into superstars and it's not uh, just like, you know, um, helping get them more streams because what is a stream? That doesn't mean anything. It's like, how do we help artists get more fans that will then, you know, allow them to have long-lasting careers? So I I really appreciate all of that. Um, I do have one final question um, that I ask everybody who comes on the show and I'd love for both of you to answer it. What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start oh, with you, that. You hit us. It, it, for me, it's really easy to make it in the music business is to be able to sus- to sustain your lifestyle, so make a living wage from your music, and therefore continue to making your music. And it and and that sounds incredibly simple, but it's very hard to do. And I really hope that SoundCloud is the place that can facilitate that for the future. That means everything to me. Cool. Tracy, I'm Plus one. <laughs> Plus one. All right. Beautiful. I love it. Emmy Level, Tracy Chan, thank you guys so much. It's been great. Thank you. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features 
annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districthit.com. Uh -huh.